Coit Tower, also known as the Lillian Coit Memorial Tower, is 210 feet tall and stands atop Telegraph Hill in San Francisco. It was built in 1933. Equally striking are the tower's structure and what it contains. Fresco-style murals painted during the Great Depression by 27 artists. I'm Blair Helsing, the producer of this podcast. Catherine Petron and John Gollinger visited ROR Studio on August 22, 2018. They are experts about, and advocates for, Coit Tower. This intro was recorded on September 9, 2018. Let's go backstage. Here's my interview with Catherine Petron and John Gollinger. I'd like to ask you about your current activities and how you're currently involved with Coit Tower and some things happening today that'll lead into the future with this wonderful structure that's near us. So, John, uh, let's start with you. What what are your current affiliations and activities? Sure. Well, a couple things. I mean, I'm an attorney, I'm an organizer and a political advocate. I'm involved in some things around the waterfront. Waterfront preservation and Coit Tower are kind of, in recent years, have been two things I've been really involved in. I just wrote a book about San Francisco history and politics. Saw that. And uh, related to our topic tonight, uh, in the last year, I wrote a play about the artist who painted Coit Tower and how the project came together called Painting Coit Tower. Wonderful. And so I'm just in the, this couple of weeks while I'm still in summer mode, uh, uh, going down my list of people I think might be interested in helping me produce it and getting them a copy and seeing if I can make oh, that live in the world. Great, great. Best of luck with that. Thank you. All right. And Catherine? Yes, I'm an architectural historian and preservation planner and worked on a number of buildings around San Francisco. I'm a native San Franciscan. And I was really pleased to be approached by John and his organization, Protect Coit Tower, when they were seeking to bring a greater level of recognition to Coit Tower and to specifically to the murals. So we worked collaboratively to prepare a National Register nomination. It's technically an amendment to an earlier 2008 nomination. That nomination found that Coit Tower was significant at the state level, but we felt that for many, many different reasons, the caliber of the murals and what they convey and their place in the kind of WPA art project work nationally really indicated that the property is significant at the national level. So it's our goal to try to obtain national historic landmark status for Coit Tower and for the murals. And it's actually a rather high bar. It's the highest level of federal designation that the National Park Service institutes and only 2,500 uh, properties nationwide qualify as National Historic Landmark. So we are in the process of doing that now, and um, all indications seem to be that uh, we will, in fact, be able to attain that. So you've submitted some paperwork and gotten some feedback? We've submitted an amendment to the 2008 nomination, and it's been reviewed by the National Park Service and uh, the National Register Reviewer in Washington, D.C., has reviewed it. He concurs that the property is nationally significant. Great. And now we're uh, pursuing national historic landmark status, which is a slightly parallel track, but uh, that's what we're working on at the moment. It sounds like the emphasis might be on the murals. What about the structure itself? 
Well, I mean, this year, this October of 2018 is going to be the 85th anniversary of the structure itself uh, being completed. It was built in the wake of Lily Hitchcock Coit's passing in uh, the late 1920s. Lily Hitchcock Coit, for those who don't know of her, was a classic early San Francisco character. She was a woman who um, did what she wanted, said what she wished, and played poker and smoked cigars with the boys. Uh, uh, Over the course of her life, she also inherited some money. And when she passed, she left a third of her sizable estate to, quote, beautify the city I've always loved. And so over the few years, a bit of wrangling, the city fathers, mostly men and a few women, weighed in, came up with the idea to build an observatory on top of Telegraph Hill, which had been uh, bought by some private individuals to be a park called Pioneer Park, but nothing had been done. And um, they came up with this idea really just to build a tower. And so the, the tower, and Catherine could speak to the architecture, has been long recognized. First of all, visually, you see San Francisco, you see it, and you and most people wonder what the heck it is. It truly was... Uh, designed to be a simple fluted shaft observatory and nothing more, nothing less. But as we could talk about it, length, the timing with the Great Depression and uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's New Deal overlaid perfectly. And before the tower was opened, the federal government put up some money, some artists here agitated for it. And uh, that turned into what became the amazing Quartel mural project, mm-hmm. uh, which was, was painted over that the following year. I would just add to that that Coit Tower... It has a really simple, beautiful Art Deco quality. It's a fluted shaft. It was meant to be viewed from all different angles. And it's it's really successful as an architectural piece. But it's also, if it were simply a civic monument that was built by a local benefactor, it would be locally significant. It would be, it really wouldn't it would be important to San Franciscans, but the fact that the murals were created under the Public Works of Art Project, which was meant to benefit artists during the Great Depression, and the caliber of the work that was created, the content, the techniques, and the fact that they are done in fresco, which is very rare, especially at that time, really it's the murals that elevate the tower to national significance. Oh, I see. Okay. So I'm curious if it's granted, if the landmark is granted at the national level, will that make any difference in terms of preserving the murals in the future? What sort of vision do you see for how that might change what might happen in the future? Yeah. I mean, I would just say, you know, we founded Protect Quake Tower. I and some of the um, relatives of the artists and people in the neighborhood in uh, 2012. And that was sort of a time of, of sad uh, state of affairs at Coit Tower. The building, the murals had really been relatively poorly treated by the city over its life. The you know paint was peeling from the ceiling, water damage. People didn't, there were no plaques whatsoever inside to explain that these were historic works of art or who painted them, not oh. one thing. Um, and so a group of us went, went to the voters, uh, put something on the ballot. This people of the city weighed in pretty solidly and said, we want to preserve this building, money that it generates from people buying elevator tickets and more than a million dollars worth are sold every year. Mm -hmm. Uh, The voter said that money, if needed, should go to saving the building. And so we got the city a couple years later to to, uh, do a top to bottom renovation. And it's treated better. But we realized over those years that, as Catherine has said, you know, the the, the building has always been recognized as a local and even sort of state significant place. But the murals, although a lot of people like Catherine knew, uh, weren't really understood to be the you know major uh, significant work of art they are. And that's partially because of the timing, that they were really the first large 
project, the PWAP, which is that the acronym mm-hmm. for the, the entity that funded them, Catherine mentioned, was really the first art funded by the New Deal, the first publicly yeah. funded art, yeah. and became, in effect, a pilot project for you know hundreds, thousands, really, of works of art across the country. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as she also said, the, the frescoes and the cool nature and the people who did it, uh, all that came together. And we really wanted to, to elevate the status. Uh, and the number one thing people say to me when I say we're going to uh, embark on this adventure to make Koi Tower a National Historic Landmark, the number one reaction I get is it's not. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what? Right. Um, I mean, I just looked Shock. before I, I came here that there are 18 National Historic Landmark status level buildings and places in San Francisco right now. There's 18 oh, of them, okay. including a Swedish church on Russian Hill that I'm sure is amazing, but n- almost no one's ever heard of. And Koi Tower is not. One reason is no one's ever tried to do it. I mean, Catherine, it takes the effort to do it. Catherine has the expertise, yeah. you know, uh, you know, I, the, I've sort of the drive and others are supporting us. And also it's going to give us access to money. And that's something we realize is the burden of keeping this important building, the murals with all the fog and the weather and mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of people that come through is substantial resource wise. Yeah. And it is something that benefits people from around the country and world. And why not give us access to the federal resources that potentially historic landmarks have? And so those are the, kind of the two reasons to elevate it and educate and get access to more federal resources when needed. Despite the strength of its appearance, it has vulnerability, which is what you're pointing out, that it has to be protected and continuously maintained in order to stay the attraction that it is. Clearly. I mean, one of the things I love from the moment I set foot and someone really explained the murals is unlike at MoMA or you know other you know true museums, mm-hmm. uh, you, you can't get close to the art you can't really look at the details. There's a guard that will shoot you away or there's barriers. Right. For better or worse, at Court Tower, you can. We now have little metal barriers and yeah. signs so people at least know. Uh, as I've actually visually seen, not to put your your key on it to point out where uh, a detail is to a friend. I saw someone oh, do dear. that a few years ago and you know I made sure they knew they shouldn't do it. But um, on the other hand, it's amazing. You can actually really get up close and look at the details uh, and see what these 25 people and their assistants did in the course of six months for relatively little money um, that's still with us today that shows what California looked like 85 years ago. Right, exactly. And I just have to chime in and say that getting up close is really wonderful. And I have looked at the murals, I don't know, maybe hundreds of times, visited many, 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 many times. And still, there are new things to be found. There are little uh, kind of secrets that the muralists painted into their work. There's sort of some inside jokes. There's, and the more you know about the muralists and their lives and their relationships, some of them married each other and some of them had affairs and they had kind of a wild time. And they were all really local people, by the way. They lived in North Beach. They socialized. They, many of them revolved around the San Francisco Art Institute, mm-hmm. either um, as students, a few mm. as teachers. And uh, they lived these very entwined lives, and then they all worked together on this, on this extensive art fresco project. And uh, it's it's just really still a thrill to go back and look for new things and see new things, even if you're not specifically looking for them. To look at, they painted each other's faces into the murals. Uh-huh. Um, you can find these really distinctive looking people and some are familiar like Eleanor Roosevelt. And then, you know, you just get a sense of the artists by looking at their, at how they depicted each other. 
Sure, yeah. sure. I will just add, there's also is some politics in there. Wouldn't be San Francisco if there weren't some politics. And remember, this was 1934, and uh, you know, labor politics were hot and heavy. You know, the communism was on the rise around the world, and fascism and other things. There was obviously depression, so people were desperate for work. So in a number of the murals, not all of them, but a number of them, there are some political views expressed. In one mural by John Lenley Howard, there's a group of uh, of men uh, sort of united as if to march, uh, which is in fact what it is, is a, a May Day uh, labor protest, which some people didn't like. And when the the murals were completed, some some of the uh, city fathers, if you will, uh, protested and in fact succeeded in keeping the, the tower from being opened oh. when it was supposed to be opened in July 34 and tried to get those artists to whitewash out details like protesting mm. or newspaper articles that referred to you know artists agitating. Almost all the artists refused. There were a couple who relented. There is some mysteries still at Coit Tower. Catherine and I have uh, have debated and would like ultimately to get to the bottom of. There are we know at least one mural was whitewashed, or two or three really, but one in, incomplete. Uh, in total, was covered over. There's some belief that it may still be un, be there hidden. Mm. And then there were a couple other murals that may or may not have been also whitewashed. But there's plenty. You know, almost everything that was painted is still there today and it's yes. um, on two levels i want to yes. make sure anyone who goes to visits goes to the second floor well worth because it. there's a third of the murals are upstairs and you gotta you gotta ask to make sure you get to see those two right right and you handed me john this brochure that has pictures of the artists which thank you for that so we're wrapping up here and i want to thank john gollinger and Catherine petron for coming into the studio today at north beach now thank you for your time and giving us a little bit of history and a little bit of insight to the future of Coit Tower. Thank you very much. Welcome. Long live Coit Tower. My pleasure. Thank you. Our guests were John Gollinger and Catherine Petrin. Check out protectcoittower.org. You'll find other information about the Coit Tower murals on the podcast Twitter page. Coit Tower is open to the public. See the podcast Twitter page for a link to information on hours and other details. The tower is accessible from the bottom of Telegraph Hill by the Muni 39 bus. This wraps up Episode 2 of North Beach Now. Future episodes are in the works. I'm Blair Helsing. We're on Twitter at now underscore beach. Feel free to follow and reach us there. All podcasts will be available at our SoundCloud channel, and more platforms will be available soon. Thanks again for listening to North Beach Now. Signing off from Telegraph Hill.